Amen. Amen. Look at somebody and say, open the book as you grab a seat. Imagine for me this morning, if you will, a village. Perhaps this is an infomercial. You've probably seen some similar to it, where you see an infomercial about a part of the world in the third world, probably, where people are starving. People don't have food, and, and you see their emaciated rib cage, and you see just the, the hunger in their eyes. You see the, the malnourishment in their bodies, and this vi- particular village is absolutely starving. Everyone is starving to death, and you're moved with compassion. You're moved to question, how could this even happen? How does our government not intervene? Why isn't something better? And you want to move, and you want to give, and you want to make a difference and impact these people. And then you find out the horrifying news that every closet, every pantry, every area in the homes in this village is full of bread. And the problem is not that they don't have access to food. The problem is they are too lazy, too distracted, too worried about other things to open the closet and take advantage of the abundance of bread that God has provided them with. Now, how do you feel? Are you angry? Are you confused? Are you still heartbroken? Because you see this morning, church, that village is this church in America. No generation in history, in the the history of the world, has had greater access to the word of God. No culture, no civilization has had this thing around more than we do. In fact, current stats say that 88% of American homes have Bibles in them. The average American household has 4.4 Bibles in the home. And that's before you count electronic devices. In our day and age, we actually can download the Bible and carry it with us literally everywhere we go. On a computer, on a tablet, on a phone. There's never been a people in history with more access to the Word of God. With it literally everywhere they go. And yet, we don't even open it. It is heartbreaking. It is devastating. I wonder what God thinks when he looks down and he sees his word everywhere in our nation and yet so neglected. I wonder what the saints of old, the men and women who died, who were martyred so that they could pass on a Bible to someone else, so that they could put the word of God in one person's hand in a city so that one person could share it with everyone there. I wonder what they would think to look down and see a civilization like ours with so much abundance and so little reverence. So much neglect. I believe it would break their hearts. In the past few weeks, God has broken my heart for the spiritual condition, number one of our flock. See, here's what I've discovered over the past few weeks. Many of you guys have come to me and you've asked me questions about how to read the Bible. 
Just very, very basic questions about translations, about reading plans, about what do I do? And here's what I've realized. Our people don't know. And here's what's scary about that. That's my fault. That's my fault. That's my job to equip you, to teach you, to empower you to be in God's word. And so we're going to do that the next few weeks. We're going to take some time and we are going to simply open the book together. And we as a corporate body are going to fall in love with the word of God again. And that's where you're supposed to say amen. Can you imagine if the people in this room together fell in love with the written, sacred, inspired word of God? Can you imagine the impact in our lives? Can you imagine the increase in the intensity of our worship when we come together? Can you imagine the difference we could make in our families and the world around us if we simply fell in love with God's word the way that he's called us to? I believe it can happen. I believe it must happen. I believe that the days are short and the time is right where God's people are going to have to make a decision. Do we really care about this thing or are we simply playing church? And I'm not here to play church. I got better things to do. You got better things to do. We are called to be the people of God and we will never be his people. We will never fulfill his call in our life if we neglect the most basic tool he's given us, which is his word. So what I want to do is help you to understand how God's word is like some other things. You see, scripture speaks to different characteristics of his word, and it makes metaphors and similes for us to follow. And so today we're going to discover, as you've probably figured out, how God's word is like bread. It nourishes us. And next week we're going to discover how God's word is like a sword. It protects us. It goes to battle for us. Two weeks from now, we're going to discover how God's word is like a mirror. It reflects us, and it shows us what's wrong and what's off in our life, and many times what's right. Lastly, we're going to see how God's word is like a light, a lamp. It illuminates a path for us. And so each week, we're going to break down one of these metaphors, one of these similes, and see why the Bible compares itself to one of these things. And if you're a 6th through 12th grade, if you're in the 662, we're going to be doing the same thing on Wednesday nights, except we're taking different metaphors. We're going to see on Wednesdays how God's word is like fire, how God's word is like a rock, how God's word is the breath of God. And we are going to open the book together. You may have noticed when you came in a blue sheet uh, which says open the book. Uh, and it should have an open the book reading plan. Uh, and this is something we're going to talk about a little bit later. But if you are not reading the Bible regularly right now, this is for you. This is a, a guide for you for the next week, next four weeks. And we're going to study the book of Matthew for about three reasons. One reason uh, is the book of Matthew is 28 chapters long. Very practical. Uh, it's written in four weeks, so it's one chapter a day. It makes it nice and simple. Now, if you're a little further along spiritually and one chapter a day is like stepping back for you, Continue to supplement with your other reading, man. Continue to read Psalms and Proverbs along with it or something in the Old Testament, whatever God leads you to. This is maybe not for everybody, uh, but it's a starting place, I believe, for everybody. All of us can read one chapter a day, and you've got a checkbox. Check it off as you go. And there's some information on the back about something else we're going to be doing. Don't worry about that yet. We'll talk about that later. But we're reading Matthew because there's 28 chapters. More importantly, we're reading Matthew because Matthew centers on this guy called Jesus. 
fact, the whole Bible points to Jesus, but Matthew shares about him explicitly. And if you're going to start reading the Bible, if you're going to start getting into God's word, you need to know about Jesus. He's real, real important. Thirdly, and probably the primary reason why I selected Matthew, is of every book in the Bible, Matthew is the one with the most quotations from other books of the Bible. See, Matthew is the book of the Bible that places the greatest emphasis on the Word of God. You're going to see many, many quotations from the Old Testament. You're going to see many times where it says, this happened to fulfill what was said through the prophets. Uh, And every time you see that, I want that to remind you of the importance of Scripture. The importance of being in God's Word. And so we're going to do this together. We're going to do some other fun stuff as we go through this. But we're going to get in God's Word. How many of you guys think that's okay? Are you guys up for this? Are you ready to be challenged? I hope you are because I'm just going to go ahead and warn you. In January, we're going to have another reading plan, and we're reading through the New Testament in 30 days, and it's about 16 chapters at a time. So get ready. This is a starting point. This is not an end point. This is just getting us warmed up. We're going to jog a little bit before the workout and get kind of start working out our spiritual muscles. I'm pumped. I don't know if anybody else is, but it's going to be awesome. Matthew chapter 4 and verse 4. Go ahead and open the book. To Matthew chapter 4, we're going to focus in and key in on one primary verse. We're going to have a few supporting texts for you a little later on in our message. But this is where we are going to start. This is the key place. You're going to notice this in your reading. If you do the reading plan, you'll find this on Wednesday. Uh, But we're going to go ahead and start with it as we kick off this series. Matthew chapter 4 and verse 4. I'm going to give you about... Ten more seconds to get there, because I want you to see this for yourself. If you have the Bible in front of you, I want you to underline it. I want you to highlight it. I want you to circle it, whatever is comfortable for you. Uh, Some people are, like, afraid. Man, it's the Bible. I can't write in it. I don't want to mess it up. Write in it. Mark it up. Somebody told me many, many years ago that if your Bible's in rough shape, you probably aren't. And I love that, man. So, So use it. Take advantage of it. It don't need to look pretty. It needs to be used. So Matthew chapter 4. Verse 4 says this, Jesus is speaking, and this is in his temptation. The enemy Satan has come to Jesus and is trying to get Jesus to fall. And each time that Jesus is tempted, he's tempted three times. Each time he responds with the word of God. But look at what he says in this instance. See, Satan has come to him, and he said, basically, Jesus is fasting for 40 days. This is day 40, and Jesus is miserable, right? Is that okay to say? Like, Jesus was just not happy. If you've gone 40 days without eating, you're struggling, Right, if you go 40 minutes without eating sometimes, like, man, I need some food. Uh, 40 days, and so his flesh was not enjoying things at this moment. And Satan comes to him at his weakest moment, which is what he does, and he tempts him, and he says, if you're really the son of God, which he knew he was the son of God, you know how he's just trying to provoke. He says, if you're really the son of God, turn these stones into bread. And Jesus could do it. Jesus can do whatever he wants. Uh, And so Jesus, rather than being tempted by the allure of bread, he says, No. It says, Jesus answered, it is written, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. You see, we physically 
eat bread and other things, to sustain us, to nourish us, to strengthen us. Spiritually, you have a spirit man or a spirit woman as well. You have a spirit being, in fact, you don't just have one, you actually are one. You are an eternal being. Your spirit is what's going to live forever. And your spirit can be strong or it can be weak, and it depends on what it's being fed. And so the word that proceeds from the mouth of God, the word of God, the Bible, the scripture, the book, is what allows us to be strong. It's what allows our spirit to, to, to be strengthened to face whatever challenges life brings our way. I got a lot of different types of bread over here. And the reason why we got some different types of bread is uh, Bibles look different, right? Some of them are going to be paperback, some of them are going to be leather, some of them are hardback, some of them are student Bibles, some of them are going to have uh, commentaries in them, some of them are red letter Bibles. They're kind of all over the place. Some of them are on an iPad or a tablet or a phone or whatever. They all kind of look different, but they're all the bread of God. And, and when I say all, as uh, long as they're actual scripture and not a deviation. And as we go through the series, we're going to talk more about translations and how to know if something is of God or not of God and how to discern that. We're not going to get into that much today, uh, but don't you love bread? Right? Like most of us, I know we got maybe some people who are gluten-free and who hate me right now because I have bread up here and you can't eat it and I'm a terrible person. And I'm sorry. Uh, but this is what the Bible talks about, so I, I feel like I'm okay to go there and hopefully you'll forgive me. Uh, but bread is comforting, right? I've done a, a few 21-day Daniel fasts. And, man, through those 21-day Daniel fasts, um, there's a lot of things you cut back on. You pretty much have fruits and vegetables and uh, you can't have meat. You can't have bread. Uh, you can't have leavened bread anyway. You can't have um, quite a few other things. And so you're, you're kind of getting away from all this stuff, and, and I don't have the most healthy diet for sure. And so on those 21 days, like, there's a lot of things that I'm craving, but the thing that I'm craving the most is just bread. Like, you may not get real excited for bread until you don't have it. If you've ever done, like, Atkins or something, you know, like, bread has a powerful allure to us. We can crave it. LifeWay Research recently conducted a study to see how many churchgoers read the Bible. I want to give you some stats. I actually looked at three different studies, one by LifeWay, one by Barna, uh, and then um, another one. But this LifeWay Research was very, very interesting. These are churchgoers. So these aren't just the people who call themselves Christians but don't put any action behind it. These are people who regularly go to church. Now, I'm not saying people who regularly go to church are all actually Christians, but at least is an indication that they have some investment in their spiritual life. So regular churchgoers um, here in America, and as you might expect, the numbers don't look real good. Here's the stats, just so you know our situation. 19% of regular churchgoers read the Bible every day. Just under one in five Christians read the Bible every day. 25% read the Bible a couple, few times a week. 14% read the Bible once a week. So we got 44% who read the Bible more than once a week. Less than half of Christian churchgoers in America read the Bible, read the Bible less, or, yeah, more than once a week. 14% once a week. 22% read the Bible once to a few times per month, and 18% of churchgoers rarely or never read the Bible. So there's just as many churchgoers who never read the Bible as there are who read the Bible every day. And then there's kind of a, this bell curve that you see take, take place uh, where the, there's a little bit more who read a few times a week, a few times a month. 
etc. So here's the situation. Over half of churchgoers in America, let's just say City Church is a normal church. I don't know. We haven't surveyed. We haven't studied. I couldn't tell you. I, I kind of have my own hunches. But let's just say, for, for example, City Church is a normal, average American church. Uh, we average somewhere between 80, 90 people on, on a Sunday morning right now. So let's just round that up to 100 so we can break the numbers down easy. And we'll just say 100 in faith, right? Uh, so uh, if you had 100 people at City Church and we're normal, 44 of those people read the Bible every, uh, more than once a week. 56 of them read the Bible once a week or less. We are starving. We are not just a little bit off. We are not just just needing to make a little tweak here. We are malnourished. We are starving. We are dying. People are falling away from Christ every day because they don't have the nourishment it takes to get through the challenges that life brings. And it's our own fault. God's people are starving. And it's so sad that so many are not eating God's word, and yet we're surrounded it by the word everywhere that we go. The American Bible Society is the third one who did a study. Uh, they actually sur- surveyed all Americans, not just churchgoers. Uh, and here's what they discovered. They discovered that 88%, around eight out of every nine Americans, owns a Bible. I think I referenced that one already a little earlier. Um, the average household has 4.4 Bibles. It's everywhere. And yet it's not being read. Uh, nobody else has ever had this so abundantly and used it so infrequently. We do not have a food shortage in America. We do not have a bread shortage. We have a bread abundance. We simply have a neglect of our spiritual condition. And I don't say that to put you down. I don't say that to condemn you. But I do say that because I think we need to face reality. And if you're in this room today and you're in the 50% of churchgoers, 56% of churchgoers who don't read the Bible more than once a week, I'm going to tell you lovingly, you got to change. God's got better for you. You need the strength that comes from the word of God. And I want to help you to take that step. Barna Research did the third survey that I looked at. They asked all Americans how often they read the Bible. Their survey uncovered some really interesting results. They found that 61% of Americans say they wish they read the Bible more. How many of you would just be honest and say, hey, I wish I read the Bible more? I'll be first one. I wish I read the Bible more. I think we're over 61% in this room. So if we're in that group where we say, hey, man, I wish that I read the Bible more, then this series is for you. Why don't we read the Bible more? If we all say, hey, I want to, if 61% of Americans say, hey, I wish I read the Bible more, what's holding us back? Well, I jotted down a few things that I think have prevented me from being in the Word in different seasons of my life, some things that I've heard other people say. One is, man, we're just busy, right? We have a lot going on, and sometimes we just get so busy and so caught up with life that we don't get in God's Word. Uh, Another is sometimes we're afraid. We're afraid that the Bible is too difficult that it's over our heads, that we're not going to understand. We're afraid that it's going to be boring, that we're going to waste our time. Um, Fear can can motivate us not to read the Word. Sometimes we don't read the Bible because we just don't think it's relevant. Of course, if 61% say, I wish I read it more, I think those say, hey, I wish I read it more, they understand the relevance of it. They understand the importance of it. But for some of us, maybe we just don't see that it matters. Here's the one that I think is probably the greatest one in this room, and I say this putting myself in this group as well. When we fall into seasons where we're not in God's word, I think more than anything, it's just laziness. 
It's just neglect. I think that we have the time for every th- the things that we really care about. And if it matters to us, we will make time for it. We will wake up 10 minutes early. We will stay up 10 minutes late. We will carve out time to be in God's word. I believe that if we prioritize it, we can absolutely, absolutely do it. I, I've heard people say, uh, another one, they just don't like to read. I'm just not a reader. I'm not into reading. Uh, and, and unless you have a learning disability that prevents you from reading, I would say very, very lovingly, get over it. Like, they don't have any better way to say it. Like, Jesus didn't come in a video generation or a podcast generation. Uh, and I think God sent him at the right time, at the time he was supposed to come. He came at a time when all they could do was record what he said on paper. And I think, or on a scroll. Uh, and for the other people to come, be able to come behind and read it. And I think that God provided us with his word in the format that he knew it was going to bless us. And so if we needed to be able to hear somebody else say it, I think that God would have provided it. Now I understand there are people who are blind. There are people who can't read. And, and if you're that, get the word on tape, on CD. Like, find an, a way to get it into you. But for the majority of us who are capable of reading, I think it's important for us to read. Whatever the obstacles are, we need to overcome them. So what I want to do today is very quickly uh, help you to understand how the Bible is like bread. And then I want to give you some habits that we need to develop as we eat the bread of God. So number one, just, or just write this down. This is just kind of the main key point for the message before we get to the little sub points. God's word is like bread because it nourishes. This is why the comparison is made. This is what God was going for when he compared it to bread. God's word is like bread because it nourishes you and me. It strengthens us. Now some of you are like, uh, nutrition nerds, and you're like, well, the bread that we eat in America doesn't really nourish us because it has preservatives and sugar, and, uh, and you're right, like, our bread is not good for us, right? Okay, let's just get that out there. I'll just hit it. Bread in America is not good for you. The bread that Jesus had 2,000 years ago, it sustained them. It was nourishment. It was a core staple of their, their diet. Of course, it still had a lot of carbs in it back then, but they were active, fit people who did lots of stuff, and so those carbs gave them the energy to go out and fish or herd sheep or be carpenters or whatever role that they played in society. Uh, So it was nourishment to them. It was strength to them. And that's why God made that comparison for us. In the same way, God's word nourishes our spirit. When you take 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 30 minutes and get in this thing and allow it to speak to your heart and not just read it while your mind's thinking about something else, but really allow it to speak to you. It's going to strengthen you. It's going to give you nourishment that you so desperately need. Another obstacle that we hear sometimes is, man, I just don't feel like I'm getting anything out of it. I just don't feel like it's doing anything for me. And here's what I've found in most of those conversations I've had. When people say that, they've probably read it just a couple of times and haven't forced themselves to get a steady habit of it. It's like if you go to the gym twice, it probably didn't do a lot for you. But if you go to the gym every day for a month, you're going to start to see some progress. And so I'm not going to say that if you sit down with this thing for 10 minutes today, boom, oh my gosh, my life just changed. Everything's amazing. Why didn't I do this before? Like, I'm not saying that's going to happen. It might, but it might not. It might take some time to really develop the habit to get used, to get yourself used to digesting it and getting something out of it. Most of the time when people say, I don't feel like I'm getting anything out of it, they haven't been using it much. But even if you have, let me say this, your feelings are not in your spirit. We're, we're made in three parts. We're uh, body, soul, and spirit. And our, fe- spirit, our uh, feelings are in our soul. 
And our feelings lie to us. My feelings lie to me every day. My feelings tell me to hit the snooze bar. That's going to be better for me. That is a lie from the pit of hell. It is never better for me to hit the snooze bar. But I have that feeling all the time. Uh, And we could go through a million different feelings that we have that are lies. And so you may read the Bible today and feel like you got absolutely nothing out of it. Can I tell you that it is not your feelings that are supposed to be strengthened. It's your spirit. It's your spirit that is growing, and you don't always sense your spirit growing. Sometimes you do, and those times are awesome, man. Sometimes the emotions get involved, and you're fired up, and you're excited about what God's doing in your spirit, and enjoy that when it happens, but a lot of times it doesn't. And a lot of times it feels like you just spent 10 minutes reading, and that was it, and now I moved on with life. And that's okay if that's how you feel. Keep eating anyway. Keep nourishing your spirit anyway. Stay in the word anyway. Feelings are not in your spirit. They're in your soul, and they will lie to you. So today I want to give you five habits to help you to get the most out of your bread. If you've read the Bible regularly, you've built this discipline into your life, you probably already have some of these, maybe all of these. Maybe they're simply reminders for some of you. For some of you, these may be really eye-opening. As we get into this, um, I've heard it said before that a lot of times a pastor's job is less about teaching new things than it is reminding you about things that you already know that you're not doing. So maybe you already know this stuff, but you're not doing it. If you're not doing it, receive it and apply it today. Five habits that we must develop if we're going to eat well spiritually to get the most out of our bread. Number one habit, if you want to eat well, you need to eat the word daily. Eat the bread daily. If you read the Bible right now once a week or less, that sounds terrifying. I have to read it seven days a week. I'm just like happy if I read it once a month. Okay, if that's you, I understand this might sound really, really scary, but hear me on this. Try it for 28 days. Just do it for the next four weeks. Carve out the time. You have it somewhere in your schedule. It might mean you've got to cut something else out, but whatever that is that's getting cut out is less important. I promise you. Eat the word daily. If you want to be strong spiritually, if you want it to really impact you, you have to eat it every day. Deuteronomy 8.3 is what Jesus was quoting when Satan came to him and tempted him with the bread. This is what happens in Deuteronomy 8.3. It says that he humbled you, he being God, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna. Pause right there if you're not familiar with that word manna. Here's what happened. The children of Israel were captives. They were slaves in Egypt. And God sent Moses to deliver them and bring them across the desert to the promised land. And as they're traveling across the desert, they start to grumble because they're hungry. You ever grumbled because you're hungry? Have you ever not grumbled because you're hungry? That's maybe a better question. Maybe that's never, you know, wow, I always grumble when I'm hungry. Well, they grumbled when they were hungry, right? And so they're coming across the desert, coming across the wilderness, and they got hungry. And here's what they said. They said, man... We ate better when we were slaves in Egypt. We should have just stayed there. And God just, back of the hand, right? You idiots. Uh, So what does he do? God in his goodness, he provides them with bread from heaven every morning. It's called manna. But here was the rules on the manna. It would be on the ground when they woke up, and they could get as much of it as they wanted and enjoy as much and feast on the abundance with one rule. Don't save any for tomorrow. Eat as much as you want today, but don't save it for tomorrow. If you wake up tomorrow with manna in your tent, guess what happens to it? It's full of maggots. It's cursed. It's nasty and disgusting. And there were sure some Israelites who broke that rule, and they woke up with some disgusting bread the next day. What was God trying to teach them? 
that you need fresh manna every day. You can't live off of yesterday's manna. You can't live off of Sunday morning's manna. You can't live off of what you read last month. You can't live off of what you read in January. You need the word today. You got to have it each and every day. And God was trying to teach his people. Well, I'll just go on and continue reading it. Verse 3 says, uh, he humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your fathers had known to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Jesus went back to this point when the enemy tried to tempt him and say, turn this stone into bread. He said, no, bread's good, but the word is better. And I might want bread every day, but I got to have the word every day. If you're going to start to be healthy spiritually, you've got to eat the bread daily. Number two habit you need to develop. Don't just eat the bread daily. You need to eat the bread attentively. When you go to Outback or Olive Garden or O'Charlie's, they bring out bread before the meal. Anybody love it when they bring out the bread before the meal? Like you pick that place because they have yeast rolls or because they have the pumpernickel. Like you, you know which ones have the good bread. I love some bread, right? So yes, all about that. And it's great and they bring out the bread and you're hooking it up and then the meal comes. And then the server comes back and he's like, hey, do you want any more bread? And I don't know what you guys do, but here's what we do. Well, nah, I'm good. I got the good stuff now. I was so excited about that bread 15 minutes ago, but now I got my burger, I got my steak, I got my chicken sandwich, whatever I got that day, and we're not going to worry about the bread anymore. And I think it works for a lot of us, the Bible, the same way. We're excited to get in the Word of God until something better comes along and we get distracted. And all of a sudden, that text message is real important. That phone call is real important. That ball game is real important. And we were diving in and enjoying the bread and devouring the bread. And before we know it, we've neglected it. And it's just kind of hanging out over there on the table with nobody paying any attention to it. And can I tell you, if you want to get something out of the Word of God, you're going to have to do it attentively. You're going to have to carve out and prioritize it. You're going to have to turn off the phone, turn off the TV, get away from the noise, get away from the distractions, and give yourself an opportunity to actually hear what God is saying. Because if all you're doing is reading words on a page while you're multitasking in four other directions, it's not going to do anything for you. you got to eat the bread attentively. You've got to prioritize it. Get rid of distractions before you get into the word. Carve out an environment that is conducive to hearing from the voice of God. Third habit to develop if you want to be healthy as you eat the bread. You need to eat the bread of God's word prayerfully. Prayerfully. Melody and I try to read the Bible together every night. Sometimes we do, sometimes we don't. But it's our goal to, to read together every night. And when we get together to read God's word before we go to bed, we always pray before we read. Every single time, guaranteed, we alternate nights praying. I'll pray one night, she'll pray the next, and we'll go back and forth. And uh, we prayerfully come to God's word, and we always ask God. We, we do our other prayers as well and talk about other things and ask God for other things and thank God for other things and worship him. But we always ask him to speak to us in his word. Because you know what? The Holy Spirit inside of us is the one who enables us to understand what we're reading. And if you're going to the word and it's not making any sense to you, this may be the most important point for you right now, is to eat the bread prayerfully. God, I want to know what you're trying to say. I want to know what this thing means. Speak to me today. Show me how to apply it to my life. Because the Bible says that when we ask, we receive. 
When we seek, we find. When we knock, the door is open. And if you're going into the word of God and you're not getting anything out of it, I dare say you may not be asking. You may not be seeking. You may not be knocking. So eat the bread prayerfully. Before you open God's word, ask him to speak to you. Every week before I open this thing and start to, to preach to you, there have been probably two, sometimes three, four, even five prayers off of this stage. We're, and that's not counting what's gone on behind closed doors. That's not counting what we've done on the way to church, what we've done throughout the week. We are praying before we deliver the word of God. Because if it's just me up here talking, you're wasting your time because I'm not that good. I'm not. And I never could be that good. It's God who changes your life. It's God who speaks to you. And so we eat the bread prayerfully. Number four habit to develop as you eat and you want to eat healthy is you need to eat the bread intentionally. What do I mean by intentionally? You need to set aside a time and a place. If, you were, if I were to ask you what time and where do you read the Bible and you don't have an answer to that question, nine times out of ten you don't read the Bible. It's just the way that it is. You need to carve out time for it. Uh, Brother Jim Weidman, who was the, the children's pastor at the church that I interned at, he taught a session on time management. And, and it totally revolutionized the way that I looked at my time with God. He said what he does is he makes an appointment on his calendar every day for his time with God. And he has a 30-minute appointment with Jesus every day. And he doesn't take calls. He doesn't get distractions. There's nothing else that's going to get in the way of that appointment. No matter what else is going on, he's got an appointment with Jesus. And how awesome is that? Man, that you would set aside a specific time where nothing else is going down. I'm not taking calls. I'm not worrying about the kids. I'm just set aside with God. And if you will do that, if you'll eat the bread intentionally, if you'll have a set time and a set place and, and a plan for what you're going to read. If you don't have a reading plan, we're going to start with this one. If you need another one when this one's done, we'll get you one. We're going to help you to have a plan. Don't just do, you know, the old school thing where you just open the Bible and hope it turns. God, show me what I need to read today. And, uh, and now you open it and there's like four chapters on the page that you open to and you don't know what you're, you're supposed to start or what you're supposed to read. And there's no consistency to it and there's no context don't do that. Have a plan where one day's leading connects to the next and where you know exactly what's going on in that system. Eat the bread intentionally. Number five habit to develop. You need to eat the bread personally. I'm all for family devotions. I'm all for getting to read the Bible with my wife. I think it's amazing. I think it's an honor as the spiritual head in our home to be able to open the Bible with my wife. It's, it's a responsibility that I have. But if the only thing I'm doing is opening the Bible with Mel, I'm missing it. I got to go to God for myself. I can't lead somebody else where I'm not going on my own. And you need to have a personal time with God. Yes, have family devotions. Yes, eat and pray with your wife. Read the Bible with your wife. Yes, to get together at small group, city group. We're going to talk about city groups in a few minutes and the opportunities we have. Do all of those things. Have an accountability partner. Read the Bible with other people by all means. But you need to have some time by yourself where it's just you and God. There's no other distractions. Because here's what I've found. If I'm just reading with Mel, and I've had seasons where I was, if I'm just reading with Mel, uh, I'm not going to get the same conviction when I'm with her that I do one-on-one with God. Because I'm thinking about her. My mind's not just on myself. It's what's my wife getting out of this. It's what else is going on with us. I'm not 100% in tune when I'm with somebody else the way I am when I'm by myself. And so I've got to eat the word personally. I've got to do it. Number six, last thing for you to write down today. If you are going to, to be healthy as you read the word of God, as you study the word of God, and I know this may seem super basic, but, but it's so key, eat the bread Christ 
centeredly. And yes, I invented a word. Get over it. It flows. If I had said Ethelred Christ-centered, it just destroyed the whole flow of the whole thing. So I threw an L-Y at the end. What do I mean by that? You know, Jesus said that all Scripture points to him. The whole Old Testament points forward to Jesus. The New Testament, the Gospels tell of Jesus. Acts and the epistles point back to Jesus. All of Scripture points to Jesus. And so, yes, we're going to look in the mirror and we're going to look at what is it saying to me. But we're also going to look through the lens of what is going on with Christ. What is the gospel here? What is the demonstration of what Jesus has done or what Jesus was going to do? How does this connect to Christ. And I know that's maybe a little more difficult. That's maybe a little higher level. That's the 401 class, not the 101. I get that. Uh, But as you get in the word, begin to ask God, show me Jesus in this passage. Help me to see what's going on. And you're going to start to read stories like David and Goliath in a whole new way. And you're going to discover the symbolism and the foreshadowing that Jesus was going to come. And he was going to be the one who slayed the giant of sin for us. And he was going to rescue us. And you're going to start to see all kinds of stuff in scripture that you've never seen before. As that veil is peeled back and you start to see Jesus all through scripture. So eat the bread Christ centeredly. And yes, I invented a word and get over it. I'm proud of it. We're going to eat the bread daily. We're going to eat the bread intentionally. We're going to eat the bread personally. We're going to eat the bread Christ-centeredly. We're going to eat the bread attentively. We're going to eat the bread prayerfully. And if you'll begin to develop those habits, I promise you, I promise you this thing will speak to you. It will speak to your situation. It will speak to where you're at. It will become alive, and it will make an impact in your life. And I can't promise you it's going to happen day one. I can't promise you it's going to happen day three. I can't put it on a calendar and say when, but I promise you if you will do the 28 days, it will happen. It will happen. One, at one point, it's going to suddenly start to click. It's going to start to connect. And I know that our mind immediately goes to every excuse and every reason why this won't happen. Or for you, maybe you've made the commitment before. I'm going to read the Bible. I'm going to do it every day. And you made it like two days in, and you just feel defeated and discouraged. I'm not here to discourage you. I'm here to tell you you're capable of better. And the Bible says that a righteous man, a righteous woman falls seven times You may have fallen in the past in this area. That's okay. Get back up. Start running again. Start pursuing him again. If you shoot for 28 days and you only make 26, you are not a failure. That's a success if you're not reading the word at all right now. Push for perfection. But understand that there is grace if you miss. Man, God's not mad at you. He's not angry with you. Just get back up. The mistake that we make is we miss one day and we think, oh, I ruined it. Now I can't do it with a plan. Now Pastor Troy is going to be disappointed in me. Now I guess we're just going to have to wait until January. Don't do that. You miss a day, read it the next day. And, and let me say this too. It's like, it's very similar to eating. Don't make up for the fact that you didn't eat yesterday by like trying to do double today. Uh, or sleep. You know, like you miss a night of sleep, you get two hours of sleep. You can't sleep 14 hours the next night and catch up. It just doesn't work that way. You're not going to be able to catch up and fix what you missed. You can catch up in the plan. But you're not going to be able to catch up for for what your spirit missed that day. But at the same time, there's grace. And God is good. And he's not expecting and demanding perfection from us. He just wants us to care. I'm so tired of a village of Christians who have an abundance of bread everywhere that we look. Who just don't take the time to eat it. And I dare you to begin to eat the bread that God's put in your life. 
to begin to take these next 28 days and see what happens if day by day, little by little, you put God's word into your spirit. Watch how strong you are a month from now. Watch the difference in how the impact you make at work and how you see your coworkers and that dude that drives you crazy and makes you mad every day. All of a sudden, you're filled with compassion for that idiot. Watch what happens. As God gets his word inside of you. I'm not saying he's not an idiot anymore, but all of a sudden you realize Jesus died for that idiot, and I love that idiot, and I'm going to see that idiot come to Jesus. All right? Watch what happens as you eat the bread of God's word. We are not going to be a starving village anymore. We have no reason to be a starving village. We have no excuse to be a starving village. We've got food everywhere. Let's eat. Let's open the book. Let's pray.